There are at least 12 million kids who still lack adequate broadband or the right gear to participate in remote learning, a growing crisis known as the homework gap. So what are people doing about it? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Here to talk about this problem is Maggie Reardon, who's been one of our reporters taking the charge on our broader digital divide coverage. Welcome, Maggie. Thanks for having me. So most people understand what the digital divide is, but what is the homework gap? Well, the homework gap is really a subset of that digital divide. And it really was coined uh, sort of years ago when it became known that there were a lot of kids who weren't able to access homework from home because it was being assigned um, to do online. And kids who don't have adequate broadband or who don't have access to a computer or a tablet at home uh, were unable to get it. So they called it the, the homework gap. Right. But now with the coronavirus uh, lockdown over the last year, basically everyone was getting their their learning or education remotely. So talk a little bit about what happened and, and how sort of the definition of homework gap evolved or expanded over the last year. Yeah. So now it's not necessarily just a homework gap. I mean, it's, it's a real learning gap. Um, and as you alluded to, you know, last March, uh, every school across the country shut down. Uh, kids were forced to go home. Um, and that's when it really, you know, became very clear um, to everyone, including school officials, that there were lots and lots of um, children in their communities who didn't have access to broadband. And it was most acute in in areas of the country where they lacked uh, infrastructure, you know, in rural parts of the country and tribal lands, but also even in uh, suburban and urban markets, there were a lot of students who couldn't afford broadband or for some other reason, just didn't have access. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, it, it's been a real problem because it it sort of um, <clears throat> speaks to inequities in education that were already in existence. Um because most of the, the kids who lack access are, are kids who are um, uh, poor or kids of color, uh, Black and Latino students um, especially. And so it just sort of widens that gap of um, achievement that we've seen in education for years and years. Right. And it, it isn't necessarily just about broadband access, right? We found that a lot of kids just lack the right laptops or phones or basically equipment to actually do their homework or actually adequately remote learn, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because there were there are many schools across the country that, you know, have were already moving toward uh, what they call a one-to-one device um, kind of mode for their students. So meaning that each student would have um, an adequate device that they could use for um, for education. But there were a lot of schools that weren't there yet. Right. So they didn't have, you know, devices that their kids could use. I mean, they could use stuff that maybe they had at home. But for a lot of families out there, you know, kids were trying to access their homework, um, you know, on cell phones and and that just wasn't working. Um, So there there had to be an effort to one, get students the, the devices that they needed. But then once they had the devices, they also needed, you know, connections to the Internet as well. And just give me a sense of how big of a problem is. How many students are actually affected? Well, there was a, a study done a few years ago that estimated that it was 
12 million students across the country. Um, but then as uh, folks started studying this problem, um, particularly related to COVID, uh, Common Sense um, Media put out a report in June that actually estimated that, that it was up to 15 to 16 million students who lacked either device or adequate broadband. Um, and over the course of this year, there have been some efforts to try to get kids connected, and, and we can talk about that in just a few minutes here. But, um, you know, so they brought that down again to what they think is about 12 million students. So right now, there's still about 12 million that, that lack access or a device to be able to get online. Yeah, that is a huge, huge number. What's being done to actually close this gap? Well, there are a lot of things that are being done. The federal government has stepped in, um, you know, the CARES Act money that, um, you know, that was passed uh, soon after the the pandemic began and shutdowns began. Um, and there were lots of states that were using some of that money to uh, for various things, right, to um, get access built out quickly, um, to help fund schools to do what they need to do to try to get students online, whether that's, you know, buying devices or sending home hotspots, that kind of thing. Then there was another tranche of money that came in December, um, and, and that's helped too. So there's been some money out there uh, floating around. Meanwhile, the carriers, many of them um, have launched low-cost uh, initiatives uh, to get families um, who didn't have access signed up. So Comcast has had uh, internet essentials for a decade, um, and they tried to make that easier. They've also partnered with school districts like Philadelphia School District in Chicago to actually get the service um, to the school, like the school would pay wholesale for the service and then sort of give it to students that way uh, to help sort of facilitate signing up. So there have been some programs, but it, it still hasn't solved the problem. I mean, we've still got a huge digital divide that needs to be addressed. Right. What what these companies are doing, and I know like T-Mobile's had programs. I mean, largely these are these are small band-aids on a much larger issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the homework gap is, is an, you know, sort of one of the most obvious examples of the digital divide, right? And it also gives policymakers a really good picture of, you know, schools know what, what level of connectivity they need. Um, you know, they know that that students can't uh, be at home accessing their education on, you know, a 10 megabit per second connection. Like that's not going to work. In fact, 25 megabit uh, per second, which is what the current FCC definition for broadband is, is like kind of tough for a lot of families, especially when you have multiple children at home trying to to do, um, you know, their education synchronously. And you've got parents who are maybe trying to connect for work and that kind of thing. So it really gives a good picture of a use case and and what's necessary. And um, but but it does speak to a much broader uh, problem because, you know, it's not just students who need broadband. Uh, I think this past year has taught us that that if you don't have a broadband connection at home, you're really um, going to struggle. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this this last year obviously has been extremely difficult, especially if you don't have broadband access. You know, there are signs that things are getting better and, and hopefully they do. And kids are going back to school. Um, you know, that's becoming more of a reality. I'm curious if there is a risk that 
if students go back to school and we go back to in-person learning, that that folks ultimately forget about this issue, forget about the fact that remote learning still is an important component, but all of a sudden isn't as necessary anymore because folks are back or kids are back in school. Yes. And I, I think that that's sort of the big risk. Like right now, you know, we there's been a, a big light that's shined on the whole digital divide um, homework gap issue, right? But now as as kids start to go back to school, I think the fear among some some policymakers and folks who follow this is that a lot of schools are are just going to be like, okay, we're back to school. Let's like go back to business as usual. Um, and you know, this is actually a great opportunity for us to really rethink how we use uh, broadband and technology in general in education. And that, you know, we really shouldn't go back to business as usual and that we should really take this opportunity to fix the problems that have been highlighted and really build upon that. Um, you know, you it's like this big experiment just sort of took place over this past year. Um, you know, I don't know if, if you uh, remember a lot of your education, Roger, but, you know, going school doesn't look much different than it did for us when we were there. Okay, <laughs> So it's, um, you know, which is kind of a problem, like education changes very slowly. So this was really a shot to the arm uh, in, in terms of forcing teachers to have to think differently and use technology differently. Um, and there are going to be some who want to go back to that, to, to what it used to be. But there are a lot of folks out there who are really hoping and really pushing that we can um, use it as an opportunity to kind of close the divide and actually level the playing field for education. Now, there's been a lot of attention on President Biden's $100 billion plan to build out the broadband infrastructure in this country. I'm curious how that helps with this problem. Well, I think fundamentally, um, again, because this homework gap, which is specific to students, is really, you know, a subset of the digital divide. If you're going to close the digital divide, you're going to basically solve the homework gap, right? So if he is successful in ensuring that every American has adequate access to uh, to broadband and is able to afford broadband and is able to afford devices right? Because that's also a big component of this, that we, we need to make sure that people have the, the devices to be able to connect to the internet and they have the education to be able to know how to use, use it and, um, and all of that. Like if you're solving that problem, then, then you solve it for the, for the school-aged children too. Right. And ultimately, what still needs to be done? And I know there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot that needs to be done. What needs to be done? Well, you need to get infrastructure in places where it doesn't exist. Um, and then you need, um, you know, a whole lot of money that is um, going to be poured in to sustain um, getting families connected. I mean, what's what's interesting about what a lot of the carriers are doing, and this is really no fault of, of their own, right? But they... There are a lot of people who are still not signing up for um, services like Internet Essentials or some of the, you know, you mentioned T-Mobile, you know, has a low cost service and that kind of thing. So, you know, why aren't people signing up? 
Um, well, there are a lot of reasons. There are communities where, you know, let's say someone is is undocumented. Um, they don't want to give away their information. Uh, they're afraid of privacy. So if there's some way to um, have the school kind of get in there and intervene and maybe um, provide the service directly to families, that might that might be a good way to get service to folks who who are unserved. I mean, there there are a lot of ideas sort of um, swirling around about how you do this, but um, you know, it, it's it's something that the policymakers are really going to have to think hard about. It. It's not going to be. I mean, money certainly is going to be helpful. Um, you know, a lot of the the pandemic money, the CARES Act money, like all of that's going to expire within three years. Um, so you need a sustainable funding source, but you also need um, to think a little bit differently, I think, about how we're going to get people signed up for these services and, and get them online. Got it. Well, Maggie, thanks for your time. You can check out her story and all of our digital divide coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. The Daily Charge. I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.